Welcome to Outreach Church. Thanks for checking out this week's message. To hear more, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or visit outreachchurch.net for downloads and service information. That's good. Um, you know, I think about self-aware, it's good as long as you know who your self is. And that's why Paul says, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And so if I see something in my life that's not the result of Christ living in me, then that needs to get taken care of and needs to get dealt with because that's who I really am. Um, you know, it, we have to be careful that we don't give ourselves permission because, and call it personality traits. Well, I'm just this way. You know, I, I'm just this way or I'm just, I'm just not a patient person. Well, that's invalid in the kingdom of God because patience is a fruit of the Spirit. It means it's a sign that the Spirit of God lives in you. It's one of the fruit. That is, that, that is displayed in your life. And so if I find myself not being patient, it's not because I'm not a patient person. It's because I'm not yielding to the Spirit of God in that area of my life, and it's not producing the fruit of patience. There's, there's just, there's no, there, you know, this gospel is amazing, and it sets us free, but it, it really takes away our excuse, which is incredible, because if there's no excuse, then that means there's no reason to live less than what our excuses would let us live. You know, it's convicting and it's encouraging all at the same time. It's not pointing out who you're not. It's calling you to where you can be. And it's saying this is who you are in Christ. And then it's our responsibility to simply yield to the Spirit of God and become who we were originally created to be. Um, you know, I, I, people, some people say, well, you know, I'm just not, I'm not really a joyful person. Like, sorry, that doesn't work in the kingdom. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. That means it's a sign. The Spirit of God's in your life. And... Um, so if you're not joyful, it's not because that's not the kind of person you are. Now, I've heard people say that, well, I'm just more of a serious person. Well, that's cool. But there should be some joy there, too. There should be some patience, some love and some kindness, you know, gentleness. These things are, are, are fruit. And it's not like, they're not like, um, well, okay, I need this fruit or anything. It's the fruit of the Spirit looks like this. That's the fruit. In other words, Jesus said, if you make a tree good, the fruit will be good. In other words, if, if the tree is good, then the fruit coming from the tree will be good. And, and I don't think it's so much like either or, like, well, you know, this fruit, but not that fruit. It's like, look at the Holy Spirit's in me, and I'm following after him. You'll see the fruit of the Spirit displayed in my life. And if there's one that, I, that, that, that less than others, that may be just an area that I need to, to actually seek him on and ask him, God, why is it that I have such an easy time with this one, but this one here, I don't see this as much in my life. And, and, and if we get to the bottom of any of that stuff, what we'll find is that it's just an area of our life that we haven't completely yielded to his will. Because anywhere we're yielded to his will, we'll see the fruit of his spirit. I promise you. So if you're not seeing it in an area, just yield to him in that area. Just seek him and tell him. Like, Here's the thing. He's not in heaven going, oh, you're not patient? He knows. He's already seen. You going to him is for you. It's not for his sake. It's not like he's in heaven going, oh, wow, you're, you're not a patient person. I, I, didn't, I didn't realize that, Roy. Uh, we better do something about that. He's, he's already seen the fact that you're not yielding to the Spirit of God and that patience isn't manifesting in your life. You going to him is for you. It's saying, God, I see this and I recognize this and I don't want to stay here. Um, so when you're, when you're being self-aware, just make sure that, 
that, that you know who your true self is. That's why it's so important to know the Word of God. It's so important to actually know the Word, to have the Word of God in you and to be in the Word and to not just read it, to know it in a way that you can recite it to other people, but where when you read these things, you actually see who you were created to become. When you read the Gospels and you see Jesus' response, when you see that Jesus saw a problem and his heart was moved by compassion, you can know that that's God's will for your life, is that when you see something, compassion actually moves your heart to a place where you want to respond to it. You can, when, you, when you see that Jesus actually was a, someone who protected and defended people, you can, when, you, when you find yourself in a situation where someone's being persecuted or beat down by the enemy, you find yourself wanting to step into that situation and be the defender of that person because that's who you are and that's who you were created to be. So when you know these things, that stuff will start to actually manifest in your life. And then you have an actual accurate thing that you can hold up and you can say, what does my life look like and what did Jesus' life look like? And if I see gaps in there, it's not because God doesn't want me to be like Jesus. It's because there's probably an area of my life that I just need to yield to his guiding and to his leading, where I need to die to myself and actually follow the voice of the Spirit. Um, and and, and this, this stuff's important. It really is. Um, uh, yeah. I, I wanted to, to talk to us this morning. Um, how are you guys? Good. You survived the time change. Do we, no, we have no excuse anymore. Even that, like Apple has taken away our excuse, right? Your iPhone automatically updates. You can't be like, oh, I forgot about the time change. Yeah, but your phone didn't. It did it automatically, unless you turn that off. And Merle was saying today, he's like, we, the only thing we have to change nowadays is our microwaves. You know, everything else, our cars, everything else changes itself pretty much. Um, well, we're really glad you're here. We had the over-under at 50%, and most people took the under for how full we would be. <laughs> well, it's daylight savings time, and it's raining. We were like, it's probably going to be kind of empty, but you guys are here. Um, open your Bibles real quick to Isaiah chapter 54. There's something in here I feel like just, just specifically for us, um, kind of a family thing. Um, Isaiah chapter 54, verses uh, 1 and 2. This is uh, the Lord speaking through the prophet to his people. He says, Shout for joy, O barren one. You have borne no children. Break forth into joyful shouting and cry aloud, you who have not a child. Have you ever noticed how many times God says to be joyful is connected to shouting? Yeah. I'm just saying that there's a lot of verses where he talks about joyful people shouting. I'm all about quietly praising God, but if there's no place in your life for shouting joyfully, maybe when you're alone, maybe when you're together with other people, but if, if you're never actually joyful to the place that it's bubbling up out of you and they shout, and just seek him on that. I'm just going to say that. Just seek him and just ask him, God, if you commanded people to shout joyfully, I want to do that. It's fun. You ever just get alone and you're so overwhelmed by the goodness of God that you find yourself like shouting and yelling? Yeah, I'm serious. Like it, I get alone sometimes and you would think I'm nuts. If, if somebody could see into my home when you're just, you're spending and you're just, you all of a sudden you become overwhelmed thinking about the goodness of God. And, and, and I remember um, it was earlier this week. I was looking at a picture. I keep a newspaper clipping um, in, in my basement. Uh, my mom saved it for me. It's of a really just a, 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 an event that marked a really dark time in my life. And I look at that thing, and it's a constant reminder of what God saved me from. And I see that thing, and all of a sudden, I can't help it. I start thinking about his goodness and his faithfulness. And I start thinking, God, where would I be without you? And, and all of a sudden, this idea of, 
I could be doing anything right now and trying to find myself anywhere, but you found me. You called me. You didn't leave me alone. You rescued me. You pulled me out of the pit. You set my feet on the, on the solid ground, God. And, and you said this about me, and I start thinking about the promises over my life and what he calls me and who he's called me to be and the life that I get to live. And then I look around and I see the blessing of God in my life and the favor of the Lord on me. And I just start, I, 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 sometimes I start stomping my feet and I'm just, and then I'm yelling and shouting and thanking him because it's coming up from a place of joy where it's like, I can't hold this in. I can't hold this in. The elders have been, have been there. The seraphim, they, don't even, they, they can't even say anything other than holy, holy, holy is the Lord God who was and is and is to come. They can't even find another line to their song. They're stuck there. They've been doing it forever, and they'll continue to do it forever. And here's something I want to say. You know, the Bible talks about he who has eyes to see, let him see. You know how many, it talks about them, how many eyes they have? They have eyes all over their wings. Why? Because the more we see him, the more what will come out of us is, whoa, holy, holy, holy. The more we see him, the more what will come from us is a response to his holiness and his goodness. They, listen, they haven't got sick of that song yet. There's a lot of people like right now, like there's even jokes I've seen about how modern worship is so repetitious. I heard another joke the other day, and um, he said they, they call it 7-Eleven songs. They sing the seven, seven words 11 times. <laughs> well, it's a joke someone was talking about. You know what? Nobody told the seraphim. Somebody forgot to, listen, someone forgot to tell the seraphim that they have repeated the same line. For eternity. Maybe we should get to a place where we're so gripped by him that we're not worried about what we're singing next because we're so in, in, just enthralled in what we're actually singing now. Or we've lost track of the verses because it's not the song that matters, it's him. I bet the seraphim don't know how many times they've sang that verse. Shout for joy, O barren one, you who have borne no child. Break forth in a joyful shouting and cry aloud, you who have not travailed. For the sons of the desolate one will be more numerous than the sons of the married woman, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Spare not. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your pegs. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that we can, we can preach on one thing and your word will speak to 17 things. It's alive. It cuts. It divides. The, the spirit and the soul, God, it, it comes and it shows us the division between what we think and what you think, God. It divides what we feel and, wh- and what you say is true. And God, I just ask that as I speak today that your word would be a sword in my mouth and that your heart would come pouring out to us, God, that we would have ears to hear and, and a mind to understand and a heart, God, our hearts would be so soft that the seed of your word would go in and it would sprout and bear this beautiful fruit that a world that doesn't know you would taste the fruit of our lives because of who's inside of us and know that you're good. In Jesus' name, amen. So God is speaking to his people. 
And he says, um, I want the barren one who has no child to shout for joy and break forth into joyful shouting and cry aloud, you who have not travailed. He's saying, listen, you haven't done these things because these things are generally a natural response to something that happens. So to a woman who has no children, who's barren, joyfully shouting is probably not the natural response because she's in this season where it's like, why would I shout joyfully? I'm barren. And I look around, he says, he says your children will be more numerous of that of the married woman. He's saying, listen, you don't even have a husband right now. Because he says more numerous than that of the married woman, making the distinction. She's not even married. So not only does she not have any children, she doesn't even have a husband. And back in those days, like a woman with no children, it was like a shameful thing for them. And that's how they were taken care of when they got older. And, 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 and never mind, now she's not even married. And he's saying, listen, these things that I'm telling you to do are generally a natural response to what you have. But I'm telling you, before you see it, I want you to do these things. And he says, shout for joy, O barren one. And, and, and he says, you um, cry aloud, break forth into joyful shouting, and cry aloud, you who have not travailed, for the sons of the desolate one will be more numerous than the sons of the married woman. He's saying, listen, right now you're looking around, and you're not shouting for joy because you're comparing how many children that woman over there has who has a husband, and you're looking at your own life and saying, I don't even have a husband, never mind children. And because of that, you're not shouting for joy. You're letting what you see and what you think and what you know determine whether you're actually joyful. And that's not the way I want it to be. He says, why? Because of this right here. He says, because you, for the sons of the desolate one, will be more numerous than the sons of the married woman. I, I, I have something else I want to get to, and I hope we will, but I just feel really impressed to ask this. Like, he's saying, listen, the reason that you're joyful and the reason that you shout it's not because of what you have, but because of what I'm about to do. And what does he do? He doesn't give her children. He doesn't even give her a husband. See, we, we think, well, when I get this, then I will. Or if God, if God really wanted me, then, then I would have and all this stuff. And, 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 and there's nothing wrong with, with having expectation because, you know, God makes promises in his word that, that we have. In it. But he doesn't give her a husband. He doesn't say, shout for joy because here's your husband. He doesn't say, you who have not travailed, cry out and shout with joy he, he, because there's the man that you're going to marry. Because these are how many, those are the children. That are going to, he doesn't do that. He, what is he, he gives her a promise. But when God gives a promise to him, it's just as good as giving the thing. He doesn't say, here's a promise. Now, when this comes true, I want you to break forth into shouting joyfully. He doesn't say that. He doesn't give the promise and say, and then when this happens and you see that I made good on my promise, then I want you to shout joyfully and then I want you to cry out loud. No, he says, listen, I want you to start now because of something, because I'm about to give you something that will cause that to happen in your life. And what he gives her is a promise. But a promise from him is just as good as receiving the thing because he's faithful and true and he always does what he says he'll do. So he says, listen, don't wait until you actually see the thing, because then that's not faith. And he's trying to bring them to this place of faith where they actually say, I'm going to respond to what you've promised by faith before I actually see it. And I'm going to believe that this is true. And I'm going to live as though it's true until it actually becomes true. I'm not going to withhold the joy that would come with that until I actually have it. Because if I, once I get it, I can't go back and live that time in the gap joyfully. See, so many times we withhold joyful 
Think about it. We, we hear something, a promise from God, and we think, wow, that will be amazing. And then we live towards that promise. But the problem is a lot of times we live withholding ourselves from living joyfully, almost as if like, well, I don't want to get my hopes too high. I, I, you know, or maybe we've been in a situation before and something went wrong. And so that has taught, that pottered us. That actually taught us how we respond when we find ourselves in that situation again. And rather than having the joyful expectation, this time we guard our heart. The problem with that is, is that that's not faith in the promise. It's faith in the experience or the fear that the experience will repeat itself and we'll find ourselves in that position again. And I would way rather stay here in this place so that I don't fall as far if that happens again than allow myself to get back up there because the last time I was there, when I fell, it hurt. So he says, listen, because you just think about this, right? Like, How many times have you been afraid that something would happen and you let the fear of what could happen dictate the way you lived your days? Anybody besides me ever done that before? Come on. What's wrong with you? Don't you have faith? A bunch of heathens? <laughs> Read the Bible. <laughs> but, but, but here's the deal. How many times does the thing that you're afraid of not actually come to pass? A lot. Not every time. Sometimes things happen. Listen, sometimes things happen. And that's why we have to make sure that we don't set our decision on whether God is good or not based on the result that we've seen in things that have happened. Because sometimes things happen and we don't understand them and we can't let the lack of understanding, the lack of knowledge cause us to perish. When God said my people perish for lack of knowledge, he meant there's things that we don't know that are keeping us from living life yet. He also meant that sometimes what's destroying us is the fa- failure that we have to understand something that's happened. And rather than getting over our lack, our need to understand and living in the peace that passes all understanding, we allow our ability to be okay, to be attached to our knowledge of the situation that happened. And until we can understand it, we won't allow ourselves to move forward or be okay. That's how sometimes we perish for a lack of knowledge. We stay there and say, until I can understand this, I won't move forward in our lives. And God's not speaking, and we're trying to force him to speak by camping out on something that happened that we don't understand. That's why I stood up today, because I've been in that place a little bit of my life where there's a thing that happened that I don't understand, and it just still keeps me from living completely, fully in joy. And I felt like God was saying to me, listen, one day when you see it, whatever day that is, you won't be able to go back and live those days that you wasted that you didn't live in the joy that's available because you let your lack of understanding keep you from living there the first time. And I don't want to see that happen to anybody. So, 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 so you, there's this thing that you're worried about, and so you live in constant worry about it. And, and constant worry, constant fear, or constant um, uh, anger, whatever it is that that thing causes to rise up in you, it will affect every part of your life. Like, if you think you can just compartmentalize it to this one little thing, you're, you're crazy. It'll seep into every area of your life. It will affect who you are in, on the inside and what you believe on the inside, and that will leak into every part of your life, even areas you don't want it to and you wish that it wouldn't. And so you, you, you have this thing that happens, and so, so let's just say, for instance, um, 
I don't know, you find out that, that the company's downsizing and you're going to lose your job and you've worked there for 22 years, not quite long enough to get full retirement and you think, well, you know what, this is one of the last companies, honestly, that even employs people like me because it's kind of an outdated industry and I've kind of been just stoked to be here still and our company's just been making it along and if I get fired now, I don't have the time to go back and learn something new and start a new business and try to work my way back into it. What am I gonna do? And you hear that the downsizing is coming in 60 days and for 60 days, the stress of what's gonna happen starts to affect every single day of your life. Every single day. And, and it starts to affect every part because you become short with people. Why? Because you always have this stress on the inside because you're carrying something you were never supposed to carry. And because you're, you're listening to a promise that's not from God's mouth and you're putting your faith in that promise. And then your response, rather than shouting for joy, is, is actually everything but joy because your faith is in someone who brings everything but joy. And so now you've lived, you're living your life, and so for, for 60 days, and, and your friends come to you and say stuff like, hey, are you okay? Because, you know, lately you just don't really seem like yourself. No, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. Are, are you sure? Like, because you just really haven't been acting like yourself. Well, you know, I'm just a little stressed because X, Y, Z. And, and we give ourselves permission to live less than Jesus because of a situation in our lives and, and so then we get closer and closer and closer to that day. And then the closer we get, the more real it becomes, the more the anxiety ratchets up, the more the enemy sees that. Listen, he is attracted to fear like a dog. He's attracted to fear and he sees, oh man, they're, they're fearing. There's, there's fear there. That means they've put faith in that thing that they've heard rather than in what God has said. Because the truth of the matter is for the believer, for the born-again Christian who's a child of God, that job's not your source anyways. It's the way God meets your needs earthly, but it's not the meter of your needs. He is. And so if we would actually believe that and we hear that the company is going to be downsizing, we, we, if, if we really put our faith in him, what we could say is, God, you know, maybe you have something better for me. And maybe I've been here for 22 years because it's safe and comfortable. And maybe all this time you've been trying to get me to do something different. And maybe this is what it takes for you to get me to where you want me to be. God, I'm going to put my faith there. I'm going to put my faith in the fact that if my job ends and the, when the company downsizes, it's because you have something better for me, and that's what it would have taken to get me to leave the safety of where I'm at and step into what you have next. You can do that. And you can live those whole 60 days with an expectation of good. And then that seeps into your thinking every day. And every day you're actually a little joyful because you know the worst case scenario is you stay at the job you're at. Worst case scenario, you stay where you are, doing what you're doing, making what you're making. If, if God doesn't change anything, that's where you stay. But if he was to change something, you know it's because he has something better for you. And so you could actually live that way. And now all of a sudden when your friends are talking to you, it's not, hey man, is something wrong? Because you haven't really been acting like yourself lately. You just, you, well, I'm just stressed out. And so we give ourselves that permission. I'm just stressed out. And then we'll tell why. And it's always this thing, right? And so, so we get closer to the day. And now we're really stressed out. And, and now we've just, we've let everyone around us already know just to expect us to be less than Jesus. Look, I'm sorry, guys. I'm just not myself right now. I got this thing going on and it's going to happen in five days. And I just, I'm so stressed out right now. So you know what? Just, just don't talk to me. Just leave me. We do this stuff. We just, 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 you know what? Look, it's not you, it's me. Oh, it's you. Believe me, we all know it's you. 
It's not you, it's me, I'm just, you know, and, and, and then something happens and we lash out, you know, and, 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 and we say, hey, I'm sorry about that, I'm, but, but we don't really mean that grieves me that I acted that way because we follow it up with, I'm just a little stressed because of, and we give permission to why we're acting that way. And everybody around us that loves us says, oh man, yeah, no, I understand totally. Shoot, I'd probably act worse than that if I was in your shoes. No one loves us enough to say, wait a minute, why is that determining the way that you live? Why, why are you letting that determine the way that you live? That's not Lord. He is. Because if you say that, you're an insensitive jerk that doesn't understand where people are, and you just live with your head so far into heaven, you're no earthly good. And all these things that we hear, and don't do it like a jerk. Don't be like... Are you kidding me? What are you even born again? You know, don't grab your water and throw it in their face and be like, you need to get baptized. Don't do that. The truth in love. But that could look like, hey, uh, I just, you say that, and when you say that, it makes me under, realize like, you're kind of letting that thing be bigger than Jesus at this time. You're, you're kind of letting that thing be a bigger deal than, than who he is. You're kind of letting something be Lord that really isn't Lord at all. And so, so we act like a jerk, we're stressed, we give permission to all this stuff, and then, and then finally the day comes, and that day is like, I mean, forget it, right? Like, you get up in the morning, you can't even eat. Honey, breakfast ready, I'm not hungry. But by now, you've already told your family that you're going to act like less than Jesus because of this thing that you've made Lord. So they don't even say anything in response to you when you act like that because it's what's to be expected because of what you're going through. And you, you get in your car, and, and I mean, it might as well be a demon driving, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, it might as well just be a demon driving, right? And, and you just, everybody's an idiot. Everybody does the wrong thing. You're the only person on earth that knows how to drive on the road at that day. It's crazy how you ended up on the road with so many people that don't know how to drive. As excellent as you are. Just, just, this is just your luck. Not only are you going to get fired, but every dumb driver got on the road the same time I did, and they're all going the same way I'm going. What are you, following me to work? You walk in the door, and the secretary's like, hey, good morning. Oh, really? Yeah, good morning. Oh, yeah. Oh, because you're going to, you must have found, are you keeping your job? No, I, 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 what, did you get news there? Are you keeping your job? Why are you smiling? Sorry, it might not be a good morning for some, and we've given, listen, we do, we, we do these things. And the secretary's already got it from the seven people that walked in before that don't know Jesus, so by now she's used to it. She goes, oh, I'm sorry. I forgot they're downsizing your department. That was insensitive. And she's apologizing for being in a good mood. Because the seven people that don't know Jesus that walked in before explained to her what was going on in pretty rude terms. And she forgot that you're part of that department. And you're supposed to carry Jesus. And he's supposed to be Lord, not the news that might be waiting on your desk. Then you walk in. And you sit down. And... Check your email, and there's nothing there. Check it again, there's nothing there. And then it's stupid computer and stupid internet, and call the IT guy, and you're just a mess. 
And all it took was 60 days ago, you got news that something could happen that would change your place of employment. You could change that to fit whatever circumstance you're going through. And then the email comes and it says, Dear Roy, um, the company is making some changes and we are having to eliminate some jobs. We have reviewed your record of work here and we're happy to tell you that we will be keeping you on and making a new department that consolidates too and we would love for you to submit to be a person who leads that department. All of a sudden, you run out into the lobby. It is a good morning. Here's the problem, though. Is what? Yeah, I mean, you think about it. You're just like, ah, you know, you walk out in the office, and it's like the hallway is beautiful. Jesus is Lord, and all of a sudden, it's oh, thank you, Lord. He's back on the throne now that you've kept your job. Now that you got what you wanted in this situation, he's back to being Lord. That thing's gone, and he's Lord. Thank you, Lord. And you, 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 everything's... But here's the problem. For 60 days, you've told yourself, you've told everyone around you, and you've told everyone that you've interacted with that all it takes for you to forget who you are is for you to get some news that something that you think could be negative could possibly happen. And you've made that thing, Lord, and now you can't go back. Here's the deal. Those 60 days are gone. Those people that you interacted with, you may never see some of them again. That secretary, you go out there and you tell her what happened, and you know what? You think you're making it right by going to her and saying, I'm so sorry. I just was stressed out because I thought I was going to lose my job, but I actually kept my job and I might even be getting a raise. And she sees how all it takes for your mood to go from being a jerk to being the nicest guy in the world is the, what the corporate office decides. And yet she knows that you're a Christian. And so what you're telling her is, even though I say he's Lord, I'm no different than anybody else in this world. And all it takes is for me to get the same news that they do to act the same way that they act. And the thing that makes me okay actually isn't the fact that he's on the throne. It's that they made a decision that I like that makes me happy. And you can't go back and relive those 60 days with the knowledge that you're actually not going to lose your job. But what you could have done in the beginning is this. And it doesn't matter what it is because you know what? Some things don't go our way. You could just as easily open up that email and it could say, we're having to consolidate. We're so sorry to tell you this in light of all your service and everything you've done for the company, but we no longer can employ you. And HR will be contacting you about separate. You could just as easily get that email, right? But here's the deal. What if the minute you got that news, rather than it being a problem or a threat of something, you actually found a promise from him within that place. And he said, he'll never leave me or forsake me. So I'm okay because I have him no matter what. So I start there. And then he said that, it, that he delights in the prosperity of the servant. I serve him. So that means that it's his delight for me to prosper. I know that he cares about my well-being in every area of my life, including the financial area of my life, because when John was writing to the church, he said, I pray that above all things you would be in good health and prosper even as your soul prospers. So I know that he cares about that. 
I can find in the Proverbs everywhere where it talks about him being my provision, my provider, and how he'll take care of me. I can find all these promises in the word. I can find all these examples. I can actually look back on my own life and see where he's come through every single time. So God, if this is to be, and this is what you have for me, then I'm so thankful that whatever's next is so much better because you work all things for my good because I love you and I'm called according to your purpose. And so every day when I wake up, God, I'm going to thank you that the least I'm going to have in 60 days is the same job that I have now. And if anything changes, it's going to be for my good because you work all things for my good. And you could actually wake up in a good mood every day looking forward to that day because you find out whether you stay where you're at or whether God has something better for you. And that's the way you look at it and that's the way you think about it. And then you live every day in light of that. So you're not a jerk. You're not stressed out. You're not waiting for that day. That thing's not Lord. He's Lord. And so that thing doesn't have any voice in your life besides of promise. On, on all it, oh, the only difference is what are you looking at? This is what God's saying to the people right here. This is what he says. I'm just going to close up with this because we're, we're out of time. But this is what he says. He says, shout for joy, O barren one. You have borne no child. He points out you're barren and you have no children. It's not that God's oblivious. You don't walk around going, no, I didn't get an email about them corporate downsizing. What are you talking about? No, that's not. That's denial in a bad way. That's acting like you don't know something that you know rather than saying, I know that, but I know something greater. So God doesn't ignore the fact that she has no children. He says, shout for joy, O barren one. You have borne no child. Break forth into joyful shouting and cry aloud, you who have not travailed. For the sons of the desolate one will be more numerous than the sons of the married one. Why? Because there's a promise. And if you will take your eyes off of what you don't have and off of what you haven't received, and you'll put them on the promise, you'll actually break forth into joyful shouting. And you'll look forward with expectancy rather than anxiety. And the only difference is, what are my eyes fixed on? Am I listening to a promise that he's made, or am I looking at a circumstance or a threat of man or anything else? You can fill in the blank with anything that would come against your peace. And you can find him in that moment. And you can say, you know what? The worst that's going to happen is this. I'm okay with that. Because if that happens, I know it leads to something better for me. Because your plans for me are to prosper me, to bless me, to give me a future and a hope. He said this. Listen, Jeremiah 29, 11 was his idea. Deuteronomy was his idea. John writing that was inspired by the Holy Spirit. That's his idea. It's not like we made these things up to get people to want to come to church. You know, we're not like, hey, everyone's lives are kind of bad. If we could throw some verses in there that say that God wants to bless them, then maybe they would want to come to church. But this was his heart, his idea, his promise. That's why we owe it to ourselves to find him in the middle of that and say, God, okay, here's what this is saying. What do you say? That's why Jesus looks at Peter and he says, who do men say that I am? Well, some say this, some say this, some say this, but who do you say then? What's he saying? He's saying, Peter, what matters is not what everybody else thinks. What matters is what do you think? What do you say? You get alone with him and you say, God, this is what people are saying. And this is what, you know, the email says, and this is what my colleagues say. And I'm not in denial of all that stuff. I realize that's really going on. But God, what do you say about this situation? What are you speaking I'm not going to be moved by this stuff. I want to be moved by your heart. I'm not going to be moved by the fact that I don't have a husband, I don't have any children. I'm going to be moved by the fact that you made a promise that I'll have more than the people who already do. And I'll let that be the thing that motivates me. And what will come from my mouth will be joyful shouting because I believe that you're faithful in your truth. And I'm going to live every day between now and the time that those kids come with the joy of knowing that they're coming so that when they do come, I don't have to go back and mend a bunch of broken days that I wasted living in fear 
I actually can look back and say, I lived every one of those days with the same joy as I have now because you were just as real then as you are now. God, I just thank you for your word. I thank you that it's alive. Holy Spirit, that you would come and just this morning and just speak to us. It's just, it's humbling. And I just pray right now, listen, is there anybody here who maybe there's something like that that's looming out ahead of you? And, and it's, it's tempted to, to it's, it's, yeah, go ahead, put your hand up. We're going to pray. Yeah, come on. It, it, where you'd say, well, I'm being tempted right now to let the, what's looming ahead be bigger than what God has spoke and what God has said. And, and, I've, and I've allowed that to have influence on the way that I live my life. Anybody raise your hands? We're going to, all right, put your hand on someone next to you that's got their hand up and just pray. Listen, here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray the word over you. We're going to tell you to shout for joy. O barren one, you who've borne no child, I'm adding this, this is me. You who are unsure of what's ahead. You who have been told that you should expect something bad. You who have let fear be what determines your well-being day to day because of unknown rather than letting the unknown be exciting because you trust that he's there and he's far from unknown. Break forth into joyful shouting and cry aloud, you who have not travailed, you who have simply just been obedient to this point, keep trusting that all that's needed to get to where he has next for you is simple obedience, that he's never called you to figure everything out, he simply called you to listen and to obey. For the sons of the desolate one will be more numerous than the sons of the married woman, says the Lord. For the future that's in front of you is far greater than anything that's behind you, says the Lord. For what's in front of you is far greater than anything that's behind you. That he moves us, his word says, I can say that confidently and say that's him saying that because he says we go from glory to glory. So if he says we go from glory to glory, then that means that what's in front of us contains his glory. And it's for his glory. And it's that he would be glorified in us. God, I just thank you for sealing that in our hearts. That we would live our lives looking forward with expectation rather than anxiety. Trusting you, knowing that you're faithful, you're true. And that what's in front of us is far greater than what's behind us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.